So in part number three today, I want to talk very specifically about that. We've, we've already examined the problem, but now let's talk about these two guys. What they had in common was they both received what they wanted. Come on. How many of you would love to walk through life and just begin to receive the things that God has for you? And, and here's what I've learned. Our, our position with God is that he's the giver. We're the receiver. The Bible says it this way. All good and perfect gifts come from God. Let, let me say that again. All good and perfect gifts don't come from your employer. It doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from any of those places, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from God above. So our position with him is that he's the giver and we're the receiver. And, and so let me, let me just say it a different way. The problem is not with God's supply. The problem is with our receiver. Would anybody agree with me on that? See, it starts with our expectation being broken. But when we can fix our expectations, then what happens is our receiver gets bigger. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk very specifically. Lame man, expectations received. Blind man, expectation received. Whatever your situation is, fill in the blank. New expectations received. I want you to receive all that God has for you. Let me say it another way. God has a greater capacity to give than we do to receive. God, let, let's, let's say that again, then I'm going to prove to you in scripture. God has a greater, see when we don't receive, it's not because God is in lack. It's not because God doesn't know the answer to your problem. It's not because God was on vacation or he was over in the war in the Middle East or he was meeting somebody else's needs. It's not because of that. God's ability to give is greater. His capacity to give is greater than our capacity to receive. So what we need to do is fix our receiver. Does that make sense? I have an old radio in one of my cars, and, and, and how many know them old radios where you got to turn the do knob and try to catch that station is a whole lot different than the, the, the digital radios that we have today, right? And I mean, you can go over a bump and lose your station. It's the receiver, right? The, the, it, the, 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 the song, the station, the waves, it, it, it's still going out there, but my ability to receive it is bad. Is everybody tracking? My, let, let me just give you scripture. John 16 verse 12 says, Jesus says, he, he proves what I'm saying. And he says, I have much more to give you, but you're not able to receive it. He said, I have a whole lot more I want to tell you to give you, but you're not able to receive wouldn't that be a tragedy to live through life broken down, living average, and God is saying, I've got so much to give you, but your receiver is broken. You're not able to receive what I want to pour out on your life. There's a story in scripture in Matthew chapter number 18, which I'm going to take you to, or excuse me, chapter number 13 that I'm going to take you to in just a moment. And it's the parable of the farmer. And, the, and Jesus is teaching us about receiving. Because look, the farmer went out and threw a whole lot of seed. But only a certain percent, only 25% of the seed, only 25% of the seed was able to harvest in the blessing because of the condition of the receiver. The condition of the soil. The seed is always good. The word of God is good. God is always good. Come on. 
He's good all the time. It's not just a cliche. He's good. He wants to do something right now in your life. He wants your 2013 to be better than your 2012. He wants his mercies to become better every day, new every day as you walk with God. Come on, I'm trying to convince some of you of that. Would you just believe it in faith for the sake of this message? And so the problem is not in God's ability to bring blessing in our life. The problem is, is the condition of our heart and the ability to receive what God has. So let's look at the condition of the heart today. I don't have time to do the whole parable. And so I'll paraphrase the first part. When Jesus is talking about a farmer, he went out to plant seed. And he said, man, he threw the seed. And, and he talks about it. Matter of fact, today's growth track uh, number 201, where we talk very specifically about this parable and about the atmosphere or the condition of the atmosphere of our church and how it prepares our hearts to receive what God has. How many know all across town today, there are literally thousands and thousands of preachers getting up and preaching the word of God, right? So why is it that we live in one of the most devastated uh, cities, big cities, Detroit, in the world? When there's thousands of messages going forth, a lot of it has to do with our ability to receive. Okay? And some people can sit in church and hear a message week in and week out and week in and week out and hear all. And there's some people that are growing and having breakthroughs and experiencing miracles and blessings and favors. And other people's lives seem to never get off the word go. Is everybody with me on that? So he went out and he threw the seed. And the, and, and the Bible tells us that some fell on the wayside. Remember last week we talked about the wayside. And the seed that fell on the wayside, the birds came and plucked it up and ate that. And then some fell on uh, rocky places. Some fell amongst thorns. And some fell on good soil. Now, the disciples couldn't really understand what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? So the rest of the chapter, Jesus is describing chapter number 13 or the parable of the farmer. And so we're going to look at it together because they're basically saying, how come only some of the ground produced harvest? Here's what I want to say. I want you more than that. God wants you to produce a harvest. How many of you have a harvest in mind that you would like to have? Right. God wants you to harvest that. And so we have to look at the condition this message, the word of God, is landing in. So here's Jesus' explanation, starting in verse number 18. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, he does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown amongst the path, or one translation says the wayside, okay? The one who receives the seed that fell on the rocky place, so, so Jesus is showing all these grounds that he's talking about really is a man's heart. The first guy, he didn't understand the word, okay? The second one, he received the seed, but it fell on a rocky place. This is like the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, 
How many of you have ever had that happen in church where, man, you come to church, you hear a message, you're like, wow, I get it, that's great, but come Monday, you're not living that principle. Have you ever had that happen in your life? I have, I'll just admit, all right? That's kind of a dirty question to ask you right in front of everybody, right? But it, but it can happen where, wow, that is really huge, that can make an impact in my life. And then what happens is we get busy on Monday, and all of a sudden it's Sunday again, and we haven't allowed that word to take root in our life. Okay? But since he has no root, which I just said, he, la it, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution, you know, somebody will say to me at the door, man, Ken, that was the greatest message I ever heard. And then next Sunday I say, who can tell me what I preached last Sunday? And not a single hand goes up. Why? Because the cares of the world begin to strangle that word because we don't take it any farther than Sunday morning. And I'm determined that we are going to be a church that's not going to be only about the Sunday morning message. Okay? So when trouble or persecution or life comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Then uh, the one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. But the one, and that's us, right? But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, watch this, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. I want us, I want you to be the church. I want you to be the people that hear the principles of a better life. A more fruitful life, a productive life, a good marriage, a good home, healthy emotions, good finances. I want you to hear these messages and it produces a hundredfold in your life, 60 fold in your at bare minimum 30 fold. But I never want these principles to be strangled in your life. That's why we do a series like elevating your expectations. Is everybody with me? Come on. I just have a feeling after this series, people are just going to start receiving better than ever because we've already determined God wants to give. But he's the one that said, there's many more things I want to give to you, but you're not ready to receive. So today, God, we're fixing our receiver. So let it come on down. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's, let's define this parable a little bit. First of all, the seed is the word of God. When Jesus is talking about the seed, it's the word of God. And how many know the seed's always good? Amen. The seed is always good. So the, the problem is not with God. The problem is not with the seed. The problem is with the soil, because he said the seed went out, but the soil, the soil is the condition of our heart. And, you know, the Bible says above all else, protect the heart for out of it flows life. Amen. Protect your above everything else. Protect your heart. That means I've got to watch what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm listening to, what I'm involved in, all of those kind of things. So the seed is the word of God. The soil is our heart. Now here's something that doesn't get talked about very often. Is the atmosphere. The atmosphere, and it has to do with, uh, let me get to my, it has to do with the local church. It has to do with the atmosphere that is here. And how many know in the church we can set the atmosphere? And the atmosphere determines if the soil of our heart is hard, defensive, Position, disposition, did you hear that anywhere in this series? 
And so in other words, let me, let me just give it to you a different way that's not spiritual. Uh, this week, I was down uh, in the south. And, and how many know the soil conditions in February in 67 degree atmosphere is a whole lot different than the soil condition in Michigan in 15 degree atmosphere. And I can go and I can take some seeds and I can throw it in that field down there because the atmosphere, they've already got green grass coming up. The atmosphere is different and it provides a different soil. I seen Zach this morning out there pickaxing so he could get the sign in our soil out there, right? Everybody understand what I'm saying? And, and so the seed is good. But we've got to work on the right atmosphere so the atmosphere provides the right soil. Is, is that making sense? And I'm going to talk to you about some very practical ways that we do that. The condition of the soil or the condition of our heart. Remember week one I talked about our disposition is just as important as our attendance. The, the, the soil, the, the condition of our heart determines what we conceive. What we conceive determines what we achieve. And what we achieve could be 30, 60, or 100 fold. Let me say it a different way. When we're given principles of life, these ought to mess, or how to messages, this three things will help us in whatever. So we give that. The condition, your attitude, your disposition, the, the, the condition of your soil that you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. You. You might not can help what you go through, but we can help the attitude we choose yes. when we go through it. Amen. You can come to church mad, bad, and looking bad, or you can come to church happy. Yes. Right? Okay, so the condition, now I'm going to give the truth, and what your, the condition of your heart determines what you conceive. In other words, how much of what you receive determines what you conceive, what takes root, and what you conceive determines what you achieve. I want you to be 100% achievers. Alright? So, with that in mind, let's look at these four people that Jesus talked about. And let's, let's really look at what their problems were to kept, keep them from achieving a hundredfold blessing in their life. Everybody with me? Person number one. We don't know his name. I started to name them all. Then I thought there's going to be somebody with that name. And they're going to, you know, think I'm talking about them. Okay. So the first person, we're just going to call him the first person. The first person did not receive, number one, because he didn't understand. Plain and simple. He did not understand. That's what the Bible said. That scripture said he did not understand. Now, when it comes to understanding the word of God, how many of you ever read something in the word and it didn't make sense? You didn't understand it. Right? Okay, understanding has two responsibilities to it. You have a you have a responsibility to understand the word of God. He who lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will show him. If we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us as we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Okay? So you have an understanding to pursue understanding. But I, as a pastor or the farmer, I have a responsibility to cultivate the soil before we throw the seed. Okay? The farmer doesn't go out in the gravel driveway and just start throwing seed, right? He gets out there in the tractor with the hoe, with the rakes, whatever, and he begins to cultivate the soil. So we both have responsibility so that the word of God does not land on uh, uh, un misunderstanding or lack of understanding. 
Is everybody tracking with me? Okay, so here's let's talk about my part first. Let's let's talk about my part as the pastor, as the church is concerned. Uh, my part is is that I don't really view myself as a preacher as much as I view myself as an atmosphere setter. I want to I set a certain atmosphere in the church. Um, and, and if we if we're people that encourage one another and build one another up and there's joy and there's life giving and our conversations are good and we continue to preach that we're not event driven, but we're relationship driven and we continue to provide things like small groups and growth track and cultivating those relationships, discipleship roots grow through relationship. Does that make sense? Okay, so the soil, the atmosphere. We talk a lot about atmosphere. Today, if you come to Growth Track 201, you're going to hear 12 steps that we very purposely take to set a certain kind of atmosphere because we're trying to harvest a certain kind of thing. Is everybody tracking with me on that? And then we're very careful that we always preach how-to messages and not ought-to messages. How many grew up in church with ought-to messages? You ought to be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. How many know that doesn't really help us any, right? That's not a message of grace. But I want to know what two things can I do to be a better father, to live a godly as a godly wife or man of God, right? Okay, so that's our part. To bring messages that really bring understanding. And that's why I'm always saying, are you getting that? Does that make sense? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Now, here's your part. Everybody ready for your part? You like my part better, right? Okay. Well, here's your part. I have two or three things. You have 40 things. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, here's, here's your part. I have a part in that. And uh, because all of us have been to church, right? We've all been to a church and where we walk out going, I wonder what he was trying to say. Has anybody been there before? It's like, I mean, it was cool, but I'm not sure what he was trying to say. Okay? So I have a responsibility, but you have a responsibility. Here's your responsibility. And they all tie into all the principles we've already given. Number one, remember the first thing we said that will help elevate your expectations? Attendance. You've got to show up. You've got to be here. This is going to sound old. Come hell or high water. You've got to be here. Uh, you know, I mean, there's times... You're going to be on vacation and there's going to be times where, you know, the roads are bad or whatever. But come on, we got to quit putting church in the priority of, you know, if I don't have anything else going, I'm going to go. If I'm not too tired, I'm going to go. If it's not too cold outside, I'm going to go. Come on, if somebody gave you free Super Bowl tickets, you know it doesn't matter what would be happening, you would be going. So we have to attend. But watch this. We cannot just hear. If we're going to really receive and gain understanding, please hear this. And this sounds like a broken record. We can't just hear it. Because you can walk out here today going, wow, that really impacted me. And it never take root in your life. But if you'll pursue that message after you leave here, that's one of the reasons we give sermon notes. So that you can pursue it. That's one of the reasons we get sermon binders. So you can categorize. And it's not somewhere on the dashboard of your car or something. In other words, you've got to hear it. But you've got to watch this. You've got to pursue understanding. There's going to be days that you hear me give a principle and it doesn't make sense to you. Then go pursue the understanding. Take that verse and look it up in all the Bible translations you have. Ask God to help you with that. See, we cannot get as far along as God wants. We will never have a hundredfold return in our life if we come to church, hear a message, and do nothing about it. 
The Bible says we become deceivers of ourselves if we hear the word but don't become doers of the word. Everybody with me? So, so you have to pursue the understanding of the word by getting in a small group, by having private personal devotions, by having family devotions, okay? That's one way. And here's some just real practical things. Other ways that you pursue or you allow the word to gain root in your life is not just hearing it, but begin to share it. One of the most powerful things you can do is not just hear it, but to talk it. When you talk something, it cements, it grows roots in your life. So go to lunch with somebody today or late breakfast with somebody today and say, man, that one principle about, man, it impacted my life because, and as you begin to converse about it, husbands and wives on Sunday afternoons with your kids, with your relationships, you ought to begin to have those. What did you learn in church today? What happened in children's church today? Here's something that really impacted my life. I never really considered the verse that way. And as you begin to share, what happens? It grows roots in your life. And it, and sometimes while you're talking about it, light bulbs are going off in your own mind. Come on, does that make sense? And uh, so those are some things. You've got to pursue understanding. I've spent too long on that one. Okay, so if you're going to have 100% return, then you've got to gain understanding. And you're in a church that really puts a priority on putting everything on the lower shelf. Not because... You know, of your intelligence level, I just think that we shouldn't make the gospel overcomplicated. Right? Okay. Number two, the second person he wasn't able to receive, um, I love this one because he was offended. Plain and simple. It is impossible to receive God's blessing and be offended at the same time. Now, how many know we cannot help what people do to us in our lives? But we can choose whether we're going to stay offended or not. Am I right about that? Okay. And so he could not receive a hundred times, a hundredfold because he was offended. Let me say it again. It's impossible to receive God's favor and God's blessing when you're offended. Especially when you're offended by somebody in the body of Christ. John the Baptist went to prison for preaching the gospel. And then Jesus didn't even come and do prison ministry and put his arm around him and tell him everything was going to be all right. And so here's the message that Jesus sent back to John the Baptist. Watch this. He said, blessed is the man who is not offended in me. In other words, you're going to get blessing in your life if you're not offended in me. And sometimes Christians, we are notorious for being offended by somebody in our church, some other Christian, somebody else because they didn't believe the way we did or didn't act the way we thought or didn't measure up the way we wanted them to. Hey, friends, we got to get over it. I am not going to ever give somebody that much power in my life that what they did is going to keep me from the blessings that God has for me. Come on, that's a good word right there. And I'm just going to tell you flat out, you can keep it on the video. I'm going to tell you, in a growing church, which we are, you're going to encounter some jerks at New Generations Church. I can't help it because we have this philosophy that says anybody's welcome. And you know what that means? There's a whole lot of imperfect people coming here. And you can't let jerks rip off your blessing. I'm going to just tell you, there was a couple years back I was... Really offended by uh, a particular person that had taken advantage of me in a financial kind of way. And I'm going to tell you, I was offended. I was mad. I was bitter. And those whole two years, God could not bless my financial world. And when I decided, did it change what he, that person did? Not at all. 
But when I decided to get over it and say, God, you're in control, it was then that financial blessing was able to start flowing in my life again. Blessed is he who's not offended in me. In me. What? The body of Christ. Don't be offended by your brothers and sisters. Recognize we're going to bump into one another. We're going to have different opinions. We all come from different paradigms. Somebody's going to do something stupid that's going to drive you nuts. But don't you dare give them the power to steal from you what God has for you. This guy could not have 30, 60, or 100 fold because he was offended. So just put that in your pocket somewhere because hey, you love the church now. But I promise you there's going to come a point where you're going to bump into somebody and say, I don't like them. I don't, I'm offended because the pastor didn't do it the way I wanted to. The elder didn't do it. That person over that ministry, they overlooked me. They this, that, or the other. Whatever it is. Come on, are you, are you following with that? Yeah. It's possible to sit in church and spiritually die like a starving man sitting in a grocery store. All because you're offended by somebody. And um, <laughs> there's so many neat stories I could tell right there. <laughs> We, here's what we have to do. We have to look beyond what don't count so that we can receive what does count. Amen. I had a lady one time that left the church. We used to, um, every alphabet, we would take an alphabet every week and pray over those people in our church. And we would send them a letter and say, we prayed God's blessing on you this week. How many think that sounds like a neat idea? That your pastor and this team is praying for I, I think it's a noble idea. I mean, go figure. Your pastor prays for you. Wow! What a revelation. Well, we sent out a prayer letter and one of the ladies that the letter went to her house called the church and uh, demanded to know why we thought that she needed prayer. The lady... Long story short, the lady left the church because we sent her a letter that said, we're praying God's best for you, God's blessing on you, that he would not lead you into temptation, but deliver you from evil and that exceeding abundant. And she thought that we thought that she was in some kind of sin and we were trying to gently straighten her out. Sounds like she was under conviction. How many agree, right? And she left the church. And when you leave, you leave the blessings that are happening in that house. All I'm here to do. Right now it's easy to smile and laugh at somebody else. But there will come a day where the devil wants you to be offended by something that happened. And just remember, blessed is he who's not offended in me. We're going to do our best not to do that. But it's going to happen because we're all human. Okay, number three. The third person. He, uh, he, he could not receive because he had the worries of life. The worries of life. And we all have that. And I'm not at all advocating that we should bury our head in the sand. But the worries of life. Here's the thing. You can be in the greatest church and, and get the greatest teaching and be in the greatest services and not receive because you are preoccupied with the cares of the world. Anytime that you're watching CNN and how bad the world is more than you're looking at the word of God and how good our future is. You're going to start eliminating the blessings that God has. How many know you can watch too much what's going on in the world and forget we're not of this world? And start freaking out and wigging out and and buying bunkers and stockpiling food and think, man, the end of the world is coming. If the end of the world is coming, I'm happy about it because my eternity is not in this world, but it's in heaven. 
And you can get so wrapped up in the stock market, you can get so wrapped up in political news, you can get so wrapped up in the war that's happening, in your checkbook, in your job. And when you allow these things of the world to become bigger than who God is, that's when you're going to miss what God has for you. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand, but I am saying that look at the eternal picture and not the temporary picture. Mm -hmm. And some of us need to be involved in a small group or a teaching or a prayer time or a devotion time or a worship time at least as much as we give the evening news. Come on, that's a good word right there. Because it'll start messing with your mind. Okay? We're not of this world. Okay? And so uh, that's that. Now, let's look at the fourth person. The fourth person received. He received a hundredfold. Or what we know about the fourth person is that everybody that's in the category of the fourth person, they receive either 30, 60, or a hundredfold. And so when I get up here and say your best days are yet ahead, wouldn't you like to receive a hundredfold of that statement? The fourth person did. And I'm telling you, if we could follow around this fourth person, here's what we would discover. We would discover that he has those first five that we listed in week number one. He showed up. He had anticipation. He had a right attitude, right? We would see that he probably fought those uh, um, uh, elevating expectation killers also. He fought wrong thought life and wrong words. He fought lack of vision, but he fought against those things. And because of that, he was able to receive 30, 60, and 100 fold. He had an understanding because he came to a church that put it in a very practical how-to kind of a way. Amen? But he pursued understanding himself. He chose that he wasn't going to let anybody or anything offend him because he cannot receive when he's offended. And that's a choice we make. That's not necessarily a warm, fuzzy feeling. And then he also chose that not to be consumed by the worries of the world that he lived in. Now, let me tell you something. We talk about, well, you know, but they don't live in our days. Yeah, but we don't live in the days where you get your head chopped off for coming to church. You get it? Come on. There's always been worries of life. And because of that, he received because he was in the right place at the right time in the right position, with the right disposition. And if you remember from week number one, every devil has a place of termination and a date of expiration. And when they cross, all you got to do is show up with the right attitude, with elevated expectation, and you're going to be the receiver of a hundredfold blessing. Come on, somebody. That picture's all receiving, all right? Okay, now... Your receiving from God has something to do with your ability to take things in and allow it to germinate inside of you. So I just want to give you three things. We're coming to a close. But I, I just didn't feel like this series was complete without me saying, watch out for these things. Because our attitude determines if we can receive or not. So I want to give you three attitudes that prevent us from receiving. Everybody still with me? This should be in your sermon notes. Three attitudes that keep us from receiving. Because remember, from week number one, our attitude determines our altitude. I want to fly a little higher. Okay? And my attitude has a lot to do with that. Okay? When I have a bad attitude, man, I fly low. <laughs> a matter of fact, I wouldn't even categorize it as flying. <laughs> It'd be more like crawling. You know what I mean? Okay. And so I want to fly higher. I want to be like the eagle that flies above the things of this world. 
Okay? My attitude that I can choose. Philippians says, choose this attitude to have in you that was in Christ Jesus. Choose it. You can choose that today. Okay? So here's three attitudes that we got to be careful that will kill our ability to receive. Number one is skeptical. Being skeptical. Uh, let me define being skeptical to you. Being skeptical is an attitude of doubt. It's just an attitude of Man, I'm trying, but I just, I have an attitude. I'm not saying you don't have doubt. I'm saying you have an attitude of doubt. And how many know there's a difference between just fighting a doubt that you have and just being consumed or wearing doubt? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, whatsoever you desire when you pray and don't doubt in your heart, don't doubt in your heart, you will receive it. Now, I'm not talking about whether you're an analytical person or not, but how many know there comes a time when you can have paralysis by analysis, right? Because, man, I am just overthinking this thing. Sometimes I just got to step out in faith, yeah. right? Okay. Um, and, 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 and when you're skeptical, here's what happens as it applies to the church. You come to church and you have this attitude of doubt. Let me give you one quick story. We had this family out west that started coming to our church. Their life was just a total wreck. They started coming to church. They'd been in church like four months. Man, their lives was coming together. Just good, good, good things. Uh, just story after story. They were applying the message. Things were going good. And then I started advertising that I was going to do a series on finance. And it was a four-week series on faith and finance. And I noticed through that series, they didn't show up to church one time during that series. And matter of fact, when the series was over, I seen the wife come back and I said, man, where have you guys been? And she began to tell me the story that we heard when you were going to do a series on finances. We figured, man, that's it. We've been waiting for the other shoe to fall. We knew things were too good to be true. And we just jetted on that. Just and as I talked to them, I began to recognize some things. First of all, they were very skeptical. They had an attitude of doubt, so they could not receive because they had an attitude of doubt. They removed themselves from the ability to receive. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And here's the thing. I found out that they had been taken advantage of in their financial world. God could have used that series to help get them in a right attitude about finances, but because of their skepticism, pulled themselves away and missed the opportunity to receive healing in a category of their life because of a preconceived idea that they had. And they could have got healed. They had gotten healing in a number of other areas of their life. They could have got healing in that area also. Number two, the second attitude is the attitude that's cynical. Okay? Um, and being cynical is a little different than being skeptical. Cynical is when you mistrust everybody. Okay? It's an attitude of pessimism. Mocking or, or sarcastic. Uh, sarcasm. Distrustful. Suspicious. Okay? It's just simply being cynical. And I just want to say as Christians, we got to watch out for this. I see cynicism coming into the church more and more. It's, it's just this attitude of pessimism, of doubt, of, of, of mocking, of distrust, of suspicion, all of those kind of things. Number three, the third attitude that we got to be careful for is the attitude of doubt or being doubtful. Let's go back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, when we pray, believe that we receive. And, and believe, 
let me say it again. When we pray, believe what we pray. And don't doubt, he shall have it. And I think it would be important not to pray and then try to believe. But to begin to believe and then pray. That's what Jesus is saying. So sometimes we got to go to those scriptures. we got to go to the word and say, God, help me with my unbelief. Find the scripture that builds our faith. Then go to God in prayer because you've overcome doubt. Then you can conceive what God wants to do. Then you can achieve what God has. Now you can receive 30, 60, and 100 fold blessing. Is everybody with me on that one? All right, I got to close, so I'm going to skip a couple of things. Uh, but let me give you one uh, more thought and one more scripture. When we cannot help in life what happens around us, right? And we're all products of things we've been through. Would you agree with me? And all of us, unless you've been living, you know, on an isolated island, have had bad things happen to us, right? And we've all had bad things happen to us by other people. In fact, if I lived on an isolated island by myself, I'm sure I would have arguments with myself. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I would offend me. You know, somehow or another, there would be a church split and I'm the only one there. Okay, so, and I, I understand that. And, and so, so um, but what happens is many of those things, they affect our disposition, Right. And they, when they affect our disposition, it causes me to lose the opportunity to receive. If I can't receive, I don't conceive. If I don't conceive, I can't achieve. And I miss out on the ability to receive God's blessing in my life. So none of us were born cynical. None of us were born doubtful. None of us are born skeptical. But because of the issues of life, we grow skeptical. We grow cynical. We grow doubtful. Come on, how many know that's true? How many know that you can point at situations that have happened in your life that you recognize that's made me a more skeptical person? Okay? And so when we come to the house of God, what happens is we bring our attitudes, our dispositions, and our influences with us. So if we're gonna, if we're going to receive, last thing I'm gonna say, if we're going to receive what God has for us, watch this, then you have to manage. And you have to monitor your attitude, your disposition. You have to monitor the influences in your life. You have to monitor your emotions. It's okay to have emotions, just don't let your emotions to have you. You have to monitor that. And here's the good thing. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So it gives me, God is never asking us to do something He doesn't give us the ability to do. Is that making sense? You have to manage that. And so listen, friends, when it's time for the weekend and it's time for church, i got to manage what I've gone through during that week. Or I can show up in the wrong disposition and not receive what God has because I'm consumed by the cares of the world, the worries of the world. I'm consumed by who I don't like there and I cannot receive and I'll never have 30, 60 or 100 fold. So God says you manage it. You manage, you, you put on joy, you put on peace, manage your emotions, your influences, and your attitudes. One last scripture and we're all done for today. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, great story, you can go read it later. This is Saul getting ready to become king. And God's speaking to him uh, through, through Samuel. He says this, after you will go to Gabeah of God, which is the name of the town, where there is a Philistine outpost. What outpost? Philistine. They're the bad guys, remember? As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets. 
Who? Prophets. So in the story, Saul's getting ready to come in contact with Philistines or prophets. Okay? And they're going to be coming down with lyres and tambourines and flutes and harps. In other words, they're just having a good old time. And they will be prophesying. Go to the next verse. Watch this. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. You see that? Here's what God is saying. On God's holy mountain, on the hill of God, there's going to be two companies. And this is life. There's going to be the Philistines, and they're full of hate and bitterness and bad attitudes. And they got low expectations. Come on, are you tracking with me? They're the people that are just nasty and negative and nothing ever good happens. But there's this other group of people, man, they're singing and dancing and having a good old time. And notice, they're both in the same place. But one is down and nasty and one is up and positive. And here's what Saul says, or Samuel says to Saul. I want you to begin to prophesy with them. And here's my last words as we end this series. I want you to begin to prophesy. Not with the Philistines. I want you to prophesy with those that are singing and dancing and the positive things in life. And I want you to get up every morning and say, today's going to be my best day ever. This year, my marriage is going to be better than ever. My finances are coming together. Where I'm at is not where I have to stay. My kids are growing up to be champions for the glory of God. It might not look like it now, but what's on the outside cannot be measured to what God has put on the inside. I am the head, never the tail. I am the top, never the bottom. I am the victor, never the victim. I am the conqueror, never the conquered. My expectations are high. My attitude is right. My God is great and my God is good and my best days are yet ahead of me. And you will be a different person. Come on, give the Lord a good all right? Let's stop right there. Would you stand with me all over?